the minor league baseball season has pretty much been going through its first month right now, but the Pioneer League, uh, MLB Partner League, just started this weekend. I live in Colorado Springs. I base this podcast out of Colorado Springs, even though most of my interviews have been through the phone. Two of them have been in, in Florida. This one is coming from Hartford, but the, the Pioneer League is known now as being the league that's experimenting with a knockout round as a tiebreaker. Gone are the long and seemingly never-ending extra innings, going way past the extra ramp of putting a guy on second base, doing this mano a mano, your best guy, my best guy, take some hacks, hit some bombs, shoot pretty much like taking the NHL shootout to baseball. In Colorado Springs, they ho- the Rocky Mountain Vibes hosted the Grand Junction Rockies for the first series of the, of the season, of the weekend series, and on the second game of the season, it came to that. They were the first two teams in the league to try this out. The Vibes won, it was exciting, and it, sounds, it pretty much should be something that is used in every sport. Why can't we have a knockout round with kickers in football? Why can't we have a knockout round in basketball? We lose overtime. Let's just actually, literally, let's just play knockout in the NBA. The shootout should be the thing. It's just, just skip overtime. There's no point in overtime anymore. Clearly, it's been proven. So I talked to someone this week who used to play for the Grand Junction Rockies back when they were still the affiliates for the Colorado Rockies. Basically, if you get drafted, you either would go to the Arizona League in Colorado or you would go to Grand Junction in the Pioneer League. And for one game, this guy could say that Matt Holiday was his teammate. So he talk, So I talked to a friend, Coco Montez, who is from South Florida, played at University of South Florida in Tampa, got drafted by the Rockies, played at Grand Junction, played at Asheville with the Tourists, which I think are no longer Rockies affiliates, and now is in double-A with the Hartford Yard Goats, which, by the way, one of the coolest hats in baseball. So we had a fun time. We reminisced about what it was like playing in the Pioneer League. I felt it was a fitting topic since this was the first weekend, first week of the Pioneer League season. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. So this is very young uh, podcast. Pretty much every episode is either going to be the best or the worst. This is the first week of the Pioneer League, which I was, I'm in Colorado Springs. So we have what's now the Rocky Mountain Vibes against uh, Grand Junction. And you have a lot of experience playing at Grand Junction. Oh, yeah. So I first want, and I first want to start with a topic that I think we could both relate to, which is first coming to Colorado and having that fun two- to three-week period of dealing with altitude. Yeah, so 2018, I got sent to go play for the Grand Junction Rockies. And I didn't have it for two to three weeks, but those first, like, four or five days, I would wake up in the morning, I'd be fine, go to practice. We were just practicing at that point. We hadn't started games. 
And then as soon as practice ended, I'd get back to my host family, uh, my host family's place, get to my room, and I just had a headache the rest of the day, every single day for like four or five days until I got used to the altitude. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand it. And I just assumed it was the altitude, but I was chugging water, everything. It was terrible. I would go. I usually would go straight for the for the Advil. <laughs> I tried so uh, like doing the old natural way. Oh, I'll just drink water. Oh, I'll eat a sandwich. Oh, I'll sleep. Nah, never works. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta get some Advil or something. Two pills and move on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's been two three weeks for me because I guess I because I'm not coming in here like in any any shape or anything. So it's like. As if, if I can yeah. if I can handle the bars easily, then I could then I think I'm over it. <laughs> but everything, uh, every little thing I do is like basically cardio. Yeah. Why why run? Yeah, so you just, yeah. Get dehydrated in that altitude. Why run when you can just go upstairs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But I I was going over like uh, that. 18 team, and I noticed that for like one game, Matt Holiday was your teammate. Yeah, he was actually. So he had signed with the Rockies like in probably it was probably like July, right around July, because he was uh he wasn't with anyone, and he was still wanting to play one last year. The Rockies signed him for that last year for, and they, he was on the team that that won that wild card game versus the, the Cubs. But before all that, they sent him to Grand Junction to get his uh, first couple of, like, at-bats and stuff before they sent him to AAA. And uh, he was my teammate. He was a super, super nice guy. He's He was awesome. Well, what was uh, the interaction with him like? like any good tips? Any, any stories about what it's like to be there? Uh... I tried to kind of, I talked to him a good amount, but I tried to kind of just let him uh, get his work done. I didn't want to really, like, bother him. He was there, but he was just super nice, very friendly, talked to us, told us, like, gave our his number to all of us, said if we ever need anything, to let him know. Uh, and just, he just had fun, you know, like, we're playing baseball, no matter the age difference, is just uh, having fun. Nice. What else? What is uh, as a town? What is Grand Junction like? Because uh, right now, I imagine between what the Pioneer League is set up right now, I think it's like Ogden, Grand Junction, uh, a couple of places in Montana, and then Colorado Springs is like might as well. It's like the biggest city in the league right now. Probably the same back then too. But it's just like living there. What's that? that environment like uh grand junction was nice i liked it i loved that league i also had a like a good year so maybe that's why i liked it a lot more but uh grand junction was cool city the city was a small like small city nothing crazy but there's stuff to do a lot of nice uh outdoor stuff like rivers hikes and things like that around the area I liked uh, I liked Billings a lot going to Billings Montana 
because we their field was in downtown Billings and we stayed in a hotel in downtown Billings and it's not a big city but it was kind of cool just to like be in downtown and like this little city just walk to the field back to the hotel it's usually in the minor leagues you're kind of in a, a hotel 15 minutes from the field you're taking a bus and stuff but in the pioneer league they kind of put you in hotels literally right next to the field so it was always cool i i like that part about it really good hotels because the last guest that i had on was talking about like being in batavia and having bed bugs as days in <laughs> oh yeah some of them are not great like idaho falls the hotel there was was tough but uh but Billings actually had a really nice hotel. Billings is a cool, cool spot. That was my favorite road trip of the year, other than the part that it was a fifteen-hour drive to get there. Yeah, how's uh? Because now with the minor league system set up, is uh, today on a Wednesday, a Monday is like a day. It's always the universal day off, and then you yep. just play for like six days straight. But those bus rides don't pretty much take up most of the day. Like what's the uh, What's a typical like, bus ride like in minor league baseball? Uh, this year it's different. So we went from spring training. We flew straight into Richmond, Virginia because uh, they just wanted to at least like take away one of our bus trips. So we, instead of flying to Hartford and then driving seven hours to Richmond, we just flew into Richmond, played the week there, and then drove seven hours back to Hartford on Sunday night. But... Uh, and then tomorrow, we'll leave tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. We play in Maine, Portland, Maine, against the Red Sox affiliate, Portland Sea Dogs. So that's like a three-hour drive. So it's not bad. And then with COVID rules right now, they have to give us like three buses so that we can space ourselves and things like that. So that part's, that part's nice for, uh, you know, you don't have to sit next to someone for three hours or Whatever you can kind of just relax on the bus. Is in a in rookie ball, you know. There's there's not even a roster limit in rookie ball. So when I was in Grand Junction, the whole bus was full. Like everyone had a person sitting next to each other, and we're on a 15 hour bus ride. And let's say we finish our game at, uh, we'll play at home and if we finish the game at 10:30. We shower in the field. We had our luggage there already. We wait for the laundry to get done. And then let's say like 1230, we drive straight to Montana through the night. We get, and we will get there around like 3, 4 p.m. the next day after like all the stops and stuff. But uh, we had an off day that day, obviously, but our off day was just driving all the way to Montana. So that was definitely, I had the worst travel in my first year. And it's gotten a lot easier since then. So those fifteen-hour bus rides with you, no room. You're you're sitting next to a teammate. Like what is the yeah. what do you guys do to pass the time? Because imagine just like sleeping for fifteen hours is a little bit too much. Uh, so at first, a lot of guys would just try to sleep sitting up, like just leaning their head on the window. And there was only a couple guys that would kind of just, like, lay down in the middle of the bus. But then everybody started noticing, like, all right, this is way too long. We got to – these bus trips are going to be happening often. We weren't all 15 now. We had, I think, it was 
like including back and forth, six total 15-hour bus rides. And then there was a lot of just like four to seven-hour bus rides in between those. But uh, my I had my team, my bus mate. He would he would sleep on the on the chairs, and then I would sleep across on the floor under the seats, basically. And then that was basically what everyone did. One person would sleep on the on the chairs, and one person would sleep on the floor. And everybody's legs are kind of like crisscrossing to make room. Everybody just has like a little tiny space to sleep on for the night, and then you just wake up whenever you wake up and feel like you don't want to sleep anymore and you watch Netflix on your phone or you talk to some people on the shorter bus rides when everyone's awake like the morning ones you kind of play cards if you can stuff like that just simple things past time but for those 15 hour bus rides we we went through the night most of the time so we would sleep at least a good amount of it at least half for sure I imagine sleeping on the floor is like is an awful experience. It's almost oh, like yeah. the top. It's like the, you're trying to say, all right, who gets bottom bunk? Who gets top bunk? Like, how is there like a seniority thing, or it's like, all right, on the way to Billings, I get this. <laughs> no, nah, it was just some guys prefer the floor. Some guys prefer the the seat, and I preferred the floor because the seat was like the seat's good, but you got to kind of like hang your feet across onto another seat and like if the bus kind of stops your feet fall off you wake up every time so i like the floor my roommate was my uh my bus mate was kind of a shorter dude so he was good on the on the seats and then me i was on the floor chilling sleeping basically the whole the whole time as much as i could i hate being awake just sitting there on those bus rides that's the worst part does anyone do you is there like a way to make sleeping easier like uh i've i've heard like stories like say like a long flight like go straight to guilty pleasure get sauced up and then easy to pass out by the time you get to the plane like is that a a trick for uh, baseball players we not in rookie ball we weren't allowed to do that stuff we had way too many guys on the team that were uh not 21 so we had rules and stuff but uh you know, NyQuil was basically, you take a little NyQuil, I guess, if some guys did that, melatonin to help you stay asleep. But really just, you know, you're t- we're tired. We're playing every day, so we're going to sleep anyway. Oh, you'll sleep anywhere at that point, right? After yeah. yeah. We just have a good game. nine-inning game, the Pioneer League, which is usually a lot of runs scored because it's a hitter's league, so we're kind of running around a lot. Those games were always exhausting yeah there's a funny thing with like baseball it's like oh i had a great game i had i was like three four i think i had i drove on some runs oh that meant you ran a lot <laughs> yeah so like yeah, imagine like yeah well the better you're playing the more tired you're gonna be you know when you're not playing very well you kind of just standing around <laughs> maybe make a couple plays on defense strike out a couple times don't run the first go back to the dugout <laughs> Yeah, by then, like, uh, like yeah, I'll, I'll sleep anywhere. I'll sleep in a trash can in the back of the bus if I had to. Oh, yeah. So you can, uh, well, at this point, you can sleep anywhere. Like, if you can sleep on the floor of a bus, you can sleep literally anywhere. Yeah, you give me a little room, a little space, a floor, and I, I can sleep. 
Yeah. Just put a blanket, a blanket <laughs> and a and a pillow, and I'll be all right. I mean, I could put you in overhead storage if I have to. Yep. You get you get used to it real quick. You got you got no other choice. Uh, I think. Uh, what was the smallest living space you've had in the minor leagues? So I've been lucky in the cities I've been where housing is not too expensive. Mm-hmm. So we've been so in heart in Junction we had host families. Which was normal. Just nice. I had a great host family. I love them. I still talk to them to this day. And then in Asheville, North Carolina, we had a four bedroom or three bedroom apartment with four guys. Uh, one guy in each room, and then one guy in the living room. Kind of made a room there. That was a normal apartment. It was the living wasn't too expensive there, so we were fine. And then now here in Hartford, we have a. Uh, like a townhome apartment little complex where basically the whole team lives and we all have our own room here so it's not it's not bad actually but there has been a lot of stories i've heard of like basically like six guys in a three or two bedroom just because they're in a city where the the housing is so expensive and they really have to they have to do it but we've been lucky and we've found places that are reasonably priced at least throughout my minor league career so far but like for spring training we'll get like an airbnb and we'll just have uh like a three bedroom me and like four or five of my other teammates just because we don't want to stay in a hotel the whole time we have we got airbnb and split the price and we'll just throw air mattresses around and have a good time for a month it's like camping yeah (laughs) Yeah, you get used to, like, these living conditions in the minor leagues. You kind of just, if you bring someone else that's probably never been through it, and they come and see the way that we live our lives, they're like, what the hell is this? But we're just so accustomed to it. It's, like, normal to us. Yeah, it almost sounds like uh, you guys are supposed to be professional athletes, and it's just, like, the whole, like, lifestyle is kind of funny. It's like I'm talking more, like, about equipment rather than actual person. I asked oh, him the, yeah. the Coco 5000, he just stands him up, press a button, and then he goes hits for you. And then when you're done, you put him in a closet, you put him in storage, and then wait for the next time you need him. Yeah, it's it's a crazy life, but uh, I love it. I love every second about it, everything, you know. Now, I, Obviously, I just like anyone in any job, you're going to mm-hmm. complain at times about certain things, but... If you really love what you're doing, none of it matters at the end of the day. Now, I always wondered with Asheville, if they did it wrong by being a, a low-A ball league, since no one there is like old enough to drink, or they do it right so that you guys are too young to drink, you don't take advantage of that town because that whole entire town is just one big old pub crawl. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were actually... So most of the guys on my team in Nashville were 21. We were all college guys. We were drafted out of college. So, but like the young Latin players, like from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, they were like 19, 20. But we had a fun time, and Asheville was one of my favorite cities. Definitely going to be the city that I look back on in my minor league career. That was probably my 
going to be my favorite city that I lived in or played in. The food was great. All the breweries was there's just so much to do. There's hikes, lakes, breweries, food, anything in Asheville. It's just awesome. It's an awesome town. It was kind of funny how you described it. Like, oh yeah, the breweries, the food, the hikes, this place. Oh yeah, the, the beer again. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's, well, there's just there's a lot. We were the that one one game. We would we were the Asheville. What is it called? Beer City Tourist was our team name. It was like a promotion night. Yeah, funny thing For about Asheville is uh, there's there's a there's one cheap flight called Allegiant Airways, which I think is uh, the name of the Las Vegas Stadium, and for like sixty bucks round trip. They'll send you to Asheville. So that's Dang. so that's how I ended up in Nashville in the first place. Like, oh, what the hell? I'll give this two days. Let's see how this town's like. <laughs> and oh. I go to the Asheville tourist game just to sober up because all I did was just check out breweries. But people also go there to get further drunk because they have like this like beer bong that's the shape the shape yeah, the, the bat. Uh, beer bat. <laughs> yeah, it's like. How could you possibly drink that? <laughs> there was uh it was every Thursday was Thirsty Thursday, mm-hmm. which is like a common thing in the minor leagues. But it would always like you can tell. Well, we knew the stadium would be like normal Monday to Wednesday. Not many like there was fans, but Thursday every night was packed. Every time we played Thursday at home for Thirsty Thursday with the with the beer. Like the cheap beer and stuff, all the fans getting crazy. Those are always the best nights to play, especially if we had like a good game. The the fans really cheered us on. They're all drunk, yeah. having a great time. You better play well, or else you will get booed in minor league baseball. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been I've been booed many times and screamed that. You get used to it. You just ignore it. <laughs> you the, the second you start paying attention to the fans, the second you're. You're out of it. Well, Your I imagine. Game's over. I imagine uh, Asheville is a very hard place to to ignore it because you're, they're right there. Like, oh it, yeah, you look like you play. You look like they basically put a baseball field in the middle of a forest. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just put this wall right here. Let's put a couple bricks over here, and boom, baseball in the middle of the middle of the green, which is a lovely aesthetic to begin with. But if you're Maybe in like, say South Florida when you were playing college, you could probably not get away with not hearing anybody heckle you, but not Asheville. Uh, you no matter where, you, what field you're playing on, you're gonna hear the fans. They're they're close enough, and it's not that loud. But Asheville, Asheville was definitely loud, especially when we were doing well and this crowd was like cheering us on. It was super loud. But uh. I loved Asheville, the baseball. That field was awesome. Just so nice. And on that little mountain, they got the city of Asheville right there. It was a great place. Uh, get drunk, go to the game, sober up. Or get drunk, go to the game, get extra drunk, come back, get drunk some more, and there then you stumble your way to a hotel. <laughs> That's basically what uh, most of the fans did, I think. Love it there. What was the what's the funniest like heckle that you still remember? Uh, 
know. Most of the guys are pretty bad at it that heckle me. Or maybe I'll just say that. But usually, like, if someone says something good, I'll kind of, like, smile at them. Like, oh, that was a good one. But most of the guys just kind of just scream at me, like, oh, you suck. You suck. You suck. It's like, all right, dude. Like, if you, I'm, I hear you. Like, if you come up with something clever, I'll, I'll give you a little nod. Like, hey, that was a good one. But most of the time, the fans are just really bad. They're not creative. But uh, I would say there was this one guy in West Virginia, Charleston. He got on me all serious. He was like the mayor of the town. <laughs> he was he would heckle. He would just go to the game. He was like owner of the team or something. I don't know what he was, but he was kind of like a big shot in that little Charleston, West Virginia town. And he would heckle me a lot. They, they had a, a thing called, he was called the toaster man. Because he would bring a toaster and like a loaf of bread. And every time we'd get to two strikes, or he would go once, like strike one was uh, loading up the toaster. He'd put the bread in the toaster. And then strike two, he would uh, pull the the lever and like let the toast start to toast. And then until you struck out, and then when you struck out, he would flip up the toast and then start throwing the toast around the, the stadium. It was like firing up the toaster. That one was kind of creative. But other than that, most guys just kind of just like, oh, you suck, five, make fun of my name, Coco. But I haven't really run into any, many uh, super creative fans. I mean, yeah. Most of them are drunk too, so yeah, I, I'm like, probably be, not going to come up with something. Beer's good not really good for creativity. Yeah. I drink this, this beer bong, and now I know what, to, and now I come up with uh, comedic jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like Coco, you kind of like did it yourself there. That sounds like something like um, Austin Powers would say. Oh yeah, they, they, I'm definitely uh, one of the guys that they always go after just because the name. Oh, that toast. And I story. also I also play infield, so infield, oh, yeah. you know, you're kind of closer to the fans, so they they know that you that you could hear them, that I hear them, so they're screaming all the time. Like even here, and I'm playing in Hartford right now, Connecticut. And I've been playing a lot of second base, and the op- the opposing team is first base side, and usually they'll have some opposing fans right there, so they've been just going after me a lot. <laughs> I mean, you're in New England, so you're you're getting you'd be disappointed if you didn't get a bunch of guys going. You suck. Oh yeah, I love it. Let them have their fun, and I just try to play as best as I can, and they'll just keep saying that I suck and whatever, even if I get a hit or. All that stuff, but that's part of the game, you know. That's what it is. Portland, Maine is also another fun uh, drinking town. Uh, I've I've never (laughs) been. I heard it's super nice, Portland, Maine. I'm kind of excited to go see, walk around the town, try some food because that's what I'm really excited for is the lobster rolls in Portland, Maine. I got to try that. The only downside to New England is like the bars close at one p.m. for some for one a.m. for some stupid reason. Like that was my biggest complaint about Manchester, New Hampshire. It was like it was a nice town. There was some cool bars, but by the time one o'clock comes around, the party was over. Yeah, well, we have a bunch of COVID restrictions right now, still, so we can't really do much. But uh, hopefully, by the middle or middle summer, you know everything. We get back to our normal lives, and I'll be able to enjoy that type of stuff again. 
but for now, kind of just got to chill out. <laughs> yeah, during the during your, your travels as like a minor league baseball player, are you kind of like uh, almost like a, a tourist yourself, or like a a connoisseur of food? Like, I go to West Virginia, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, to play the River Dogs. I know exactly what restaurant I'm going to every game, like something like that, essentially. Yeah, so like in in the South Atlantic League, Charleston, South Carolina was definitely the best place to go just because it was like a cool city. There wasn't really many cool cities in that league, but this league up here, you know, we're in, I'm in the Northeast. I get to go to Portland, Maine, New Hampshire, a bunch of cool places, and we have an off day every Monday, so I can kind of. Like, I can get in a car and go to New York City. I can get in a car and go to Boston or whatever. Because we're kind of right in the middle between both of them. But uh, I'm definitely excited to see some cities that I haven't. As you go up in the minor leagues, the cities you play at kind of get bigger and bigger. So I'm kind of excited to see all these little cities uh, here in AA. Yeah, well, I sure hope that's... uh this how it works it'd be kind of a rip off you're like alright I started uh, my regular career at Grand Junction Colorado and now I'm a triple A guy wait Colorado Springs that's the best I can do yeah 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 <laughs> but uh no we definitely we've gone up it was like Grand Junction it was a super small town and then Asheville was like a a nice city but not a huge city and then we're in Hartford right now which is kind of a bigger city than Asheville but still not a huge city and then triple A is Albuquerque, and I'm pretty sure Albuquerque is kind of bigger than Hartford, and then obviously Denver would be yeah. the biggest. Albuquer- I always uh, called Albuquerque a dusty version of Tucson. <laughs> I've never been, but uh, we'll see. A, I, I like I like the I like Scottsdale. Our spring training is that's some that place is amazing, but uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the desert, like the weather. Yeah, I, I don't like how dry it is, and I like I've learned to love it. Probably because I went to college it's, in Arizona. Okay, so it's cool. I just like I like the East Coast better, or not even the East Coast. Just I just like seeing more green, like trees and stuff like that. I don't like how like dead it is. Basically, just dirt. It just it's just dirt, and when it rains, it smells. Oh yeah, and it floods super easy. They've never seen rain. <laughs> it floods everywhere. Uh, Missouri's got a flooding problem too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, like uh, funny thing with like the rock. I guess because all you guys, all you know is um, Talking Stick Resort. But when I was in college, I remember my first two years in college were the last two years that rock the Rockies played in Tucson during spring training. Yeah, Matt Holiday was actually when I played with him. He told me about it that when he got drafted, he was in Tucson, and he was telling us he was like, "Oh, you guys are so lucky. The place you have in, in Scottsdale, Salt River, is so nice compared to what I had to go through in Tucson back in the '90s." It makes it sound like it was like some kind of dump. I mean, they shot major league there. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I guess he's seen. I'm sure when he was there in the '90s, it was an amazing place but I guess like it got old kind of quick like I don't know what year they moved to Salt River it was uh, 2011 I think 
Yeah, so I guess probably like 20, 2009, like towards when he was in the big leagues, it was probably already like getting old. Granted. And once they, they just needed to up, you know how yeah. these professional once, sports Once the college uh, took over, then I guess they probably like made it nicer or anything. Yeah. But I remember but, uh, across the street from my apartment, which was right on campus, there was this Cuban restaurant. It was. It looked like uh, the Cuban version of Big Big Boy it had like that same like logo and everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the Cubanito or something like that. But it, every if you went in there, there was just like photos and just memorabilia, baseball memorabilia. Like every Latin player during spring training would come down here to enjoy this like mediocre Cuban food. I mean, it was <laughs> best they could do because it's the only Cuban food in oh, town. Oh, find. Yeah. Whenever all the Latins. Like the guys from the Dominican Republic in Venezuela, they always try to find any Latin restaurants around wherever we're at. Like in Scottsdale, they have their their one or two. Like the Venezuelans have their Venezuelan uh, restaurant that they always go to. And then here in Hartford, they found already a couple. Uh, there's a lot of Latins here in Hartford, a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. So they're they're loving it here. They got food, the type of food they want, whenever they want. But, you know, in Grand Junction, Colorado, there's not many, uh, there's Mexican food, but that's not their type of, their culture. They don't like spicy food, Dominicans and Venezuelans. So, in Asheville, there wasn't many uh, Venezuelan or Dominican restaurants. I feel like at Grand Junction, um, anything Spanish, it's just the name, it's just on the menu. If it's not on the menu, you're not going to see anything in Spanish. No. And, nope. and the way they say it, it sounds like the the. I imagine Grand Junction in general. It's just like the the place where they shot those like Coors Banquet beer commercials. The what commercials? The the Coors Banquet beer. Uh, I have no idea. So that was always I always felt kind of got a kick out of those because like you have like your normal beer like Budweiser, Miller, and then you have like Miller Lite or. or Bud Light and just that comedy between cores is funny because like the Coors commercials have like this like cowboy voice and it always ends with Coors the bike would play. oh yeah and then Coors Light is like the the by comparison like the pregnancy test of beer it's like alright when it turns blue drink it <laughs> I think that whole league is like that it's just a bunch of cowboy towns out in uh, Utah Colorado and Montana Holy Billings. His, Do you watch uh, Yellowstone at all? I've not watched Yellowstone. They, uh, it's based in Montana, obviously, and they always talk about Billings. The Cowboys, like, oh, we got to go to the the auction to sell our cattle in Billings or whatever. Have you ever been to an auction? Never. Those people nope. are. That is a skill that I have envy almost. Yeah, Luke, I, I love that uh, everybody wishes they were, well, at least I wish I was a cowboy. Kind of cool. Oh, I'm just talking about the auctioneers. The what? The auctioneers. Like, the, you go there. The people that actually make the... Oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. How do they learn to do that? <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. I had to talk. I talked to one of them at one point because I was in. I used to. I spent like a month in uh, Mont, uh, Wyoming at one point, and I got to see like a, a a horse auction, 
And basically, they just say, like, they have, like, one phrase, and they just say it, like, in repetition, like, like nonstop. Like, hey, get it back, hey, get it back, hey, get it back. There's one video I saw, like, on YouTube where they would put auctioneers doing their thing to, like, hip-hop beats and almost sounded like they were, like, rappers themselves. Well, I'm sure it probably can go better than some of the rappers out there right now. I imagine uh, if you want to make, like... The NFL draft is a big deal. The NBA draft for like the first half hour is a big deal, and then no one gives a shit about the MLB draft. But if you decide uh, to turn no. the MLB draft into an auction, then I think we'll have uh, some some TV excitement right there. Just like Coco Montez shows the, up. Uh, <laughs> that's basically how it works for the international signings. Basically, a bidding war. Yeah, for let's, all those players. let's do that. Let's get. In the the MLB Network studio, let's just get the top pros- the top draft guys to show up. It's not like they have a choice on whether or not they're gonna declare or not. Have them up there. Let's get an auctioner. It'd be cool. If the commissioner himself could be the auctioner. And like, yeah, I'm sure that would that would probably draw some fans. Yeah, baseball, baseball's been doing well though with the fan base. Yeah, they don't, they we'll see, base. you know. All, I don't know what's going to happen after this year. I mean, all the, you know, there's like a player agreement thing. So, we'll see. Yeah, all the talk about like, oh, baseball is boring. I mean, I, I, even with the COVID restrictions, I get a course field and I still see a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. No, there's going to be, there's fans everywhere. It's just, people are always going to complain about something. There's people that say basketball is dumb or football is dumb or baseball is dumb, but there's still going to be fans for each each one of them. I mean, if you actually think about it, every sport, if you if someone said every sport was dumb, you can make an argument. <laughs> yeah. I still remember the time I was like at a bar and like some guy from like the Australian Army shit was like was there, and we were talking about football. He's like. Why the hell you got these guys in spacesuits? <laughs> you play rugby in spacesuits. Yeah, I know that rugby's rugby is a crazy sport. No pads, nothing. Those people just None. go hit each other, throw a ball around. I don't even know how the rules really work in that one. Neither do I. And I I covered one rugby tournament, and that was only because I wanted to go back to Philly, and my college was actually pretty decent at it. Until of course they get to the final round, play Dartmouth, and they get destroyed. Because <laughs> that's the life of a Arizona Wildcats fan. They will get you to the big game, and you will be humiliated once you're there. Well, at least you get to the big game. I'm sorry, Arizona. You don't get a one shiny moment. <laughs> I'm still a little, little butthurt about uh, that women's tournament. First of all, I got I got into women's basketball for the first time ever because of Arizona, and we were in the perfect position to like win the game because like oh we're down a point six seconds left, yeah this is exactly how uh, tournaments are supposed to end. Get your best player, she'll make a, the basket, and we win. No, mm-hmm. not Arizona. No, she gets triple teamed, and the game's over. It's tough being a sports fan sometimes. I'm a diehard USF. Fan and we had our runs in football when I was in college, but uh, we could never win the big game. Or at least, like, what what the big game for us, you know, like trying to win the conference, 
always ended up losing that one. So yeah, imagine the the rivalry doesn't make it any better. Where like you struggling on the other side is like we're national champions, man. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was my the year after I left. So that would have been my senior year of college. But my sophomore year, my freshman and sophomore year, we beat UCF. But my sophomore year, we lost a big game towards the end of the year, football. And then my junior year was the the one where... Actually, that was the year they went undefeated. It was my junior year. And I went to the game. It was the Thanksgiving game, rivalry weekend, in at UCF. Winner goes to the conference championship. They were undefeated. We were 10-1. And, and they beat... We... we uh, we score to take the lead, and they take the kickoff back to the house to take the lead back. With like two minutes left in the game, and then we get the ball. We're driving, 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 and we fumbled and lost. It was a heartbreaker. That is kind of a funny thing about like college football. Like that was a great game, I assume, and then everyone and the outside is like, oh, they should just blow them out. Oh, yeah, it was a... Close games. We don't like close games over here in the committee. You go ahead and play Auburn. But it was a a really big game that year. Like, it was... It was was because Florida and Florida State Mm -hmm. and Miami were all bad that year. And UCF and USF were actually, like, good. So it was kind of, like, a cool thing to see, like, the two best football schools in Florida for that one year where these two small schools... Wait a minute, I don't think, I mean, UCF and USF, are, if anything, they're not small. <laughs> the, well, yeah, but the, compared to, like, when you're an athlete. Oh, yeah, if you're an athlete, athlete it's small. Schools, if you're, like, a general it's, it's populace. It's a small school compared to these Power 5 conferences. It's not the same. Yeah. It's like but USF, it, we don't even have an indoor football facility. <laughs> We're the only, like, the only, one of the only schools mm-hmm. in Florida without it. But you have a football stadium. Not on campus. No, we got you have like an NFL stadium. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the same. The kid, the, the students have to go twenty five minutes to go watch their football team. Should be on. We should have one on campus. Yeah, you, you but, should wake. You should pregame, get drunk, and then go to the stumble your way to the stadium, watch the first now, half, sober up, and then go back home. How many? How many play, more fans do you think we'd get though if we had a little stadium out? On campus, oh, yeah, so pro- could just, students could just walk to the field and walk back home. Yeah, you can't even walk to Ybor City from Raymond James Stadium. I've tried. Mm-hmm. And I guess Orlando, the uh, U.S. has that advantage, right? Just go to that like bouncy house dump of a stadium they have. They like, go oh, right back to the party. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So one big thing. What's funny about like Campus. Florida schools is just like yeah we're we're small school uh, we have like almost more students than any big school yeah no, well we're a big school but uh, athletics wise is we're a mid major program yeah tiny this tiny school of fifty thousand yeah <laughs> if I use the same way too like I I think um I remember I've been to one UCF game USF game at a in the Miami Beach Bowl. So that was good. Did you ever go to that oh, game? The, Ma- the Miami Beach Bowl? Yeah, I think they, they played uh, West Kentucky, and it was in Marlins Park. Yeah, I 
think that was my freshman year. I didn't go to the game, but I I watched it on TV. I remember we lost to Western Kentucky. Lost to a Mike future White Dolphins quarterback. quarterback. Who? Brandon Dowdy. Oh, Brandon Dowdy. I, I mean, it was Mike White for some reason. He, he was there. He was like on the depth chart for like two two seasons. Uh-huh. Didn't do anything, and I have no idea where he is now. But it was. That's kind of cool going to all three of those bowl games and thinking, yeah, that guy could play in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, Paxton Lynch. I see a, a feature with him. Whoops. <laughs> By the way, that Memphis, uh, I think that was the game before Memphis at BYU. That game was nuts. I was actually on the field when a fight broke out. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was nuts. I was like, oh, my God, Memphis won. Holy shit, they're fighting. Oh, yeah. I blame the the whole setup because you put all all the fans are on one are behind one sideline the BYU sideline. So if you're if you win a game and you want to go see your fans, you have to go through that sideline, and that's how fight yeah. starts. Yep, that's that's a problem. Big problem. Yeah. By the way, that Cuban restaurant that I mentioned in Tucson, it's like two months after the last spring training game there between Arizona and Colorado, burned to the ground. It was what? It burned to the ground. Damn, that sucks. The only thing to survive the, the wreckage. And I to this day, I still believe that they did that for the insurance money. But the only thing to survive was like this photo... Of uh, Jose Canseco, and it said Jose Judas Canseco. Wow. Only thing that and the, and the Chicago White Sox banner, only things to survive the fire. That's crazy. It's been a parking lot ever since. <laughs> Damn. Tough one. They probably knew it was time to go. Spring training was leaving. No more teams. Businesses. Going to be going down. Like, 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 we can get a bunch of Latin people to come here, but if I have to like survive on California white kids, then I got no chance. Nope. <laughs> that was that was funny. Uh, I'll two, I always felt like Tucson, Carmel Springs had the same like uh, minor league baseball appeal, like Kino Stadium and this place here that the Vibes play have like a similar aesthetic to it. Yeah, I've never played in either of them because Colorado Springs wasn't part of the league, Pioneer League, when I was there. It became a part of the league the year after I left, or two years after I left. Yeah, now And then there. Tucson, there's no one down there in spring training anymore. At least I don't think there is. No, they got. I think they tried Japanese at one point, and I think the Petco's League became a thing there. Yeah, but... I don't know. Maybe Tucson should be a pioneer, uh, be in the Pioneer League, and just do like twenty-four hour bus rides. They probably would do it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask, like, what's um, like, what is like uh, the craziest like experience that you've seen so far in minor league baseball? Like something that would show up on the the account minor league grinders. Things that happen. 
nothing too crazy, I don't think. Let me, let me think. Um, it can make like a top five list. Like top five craziest shit that Coco Montes has experienced as a minor leaguer. <laughs> oh, the craziest is definitely the 15-hour bus ride. We, we played a championship game. We get to the championship in Pioneer League. Um, it's split into two divisions. So the north side is all the teams in Montana. Then the south side is us and the two teams in Utah and then uh, Idaho Falls. So we get to the championship. The White Sox team, Great Falls, Montana, drives down 15 hours to play us. We asked them, it's like, hey, can we just do the whole series at our place? I think uh, the, like our GM said like, they'll pay you. We'll pay them or whatever just so that like we don't have to go up there after game one because no matter what we're gonna have to go up there and they're like no we're gonna we want to play at our field too because they had to make the trip anyway <laughs> so we lost the game one drove 15 hours right after the game played so sunday we lose 15 hours we get there monday we play tuesday and we lose again and then drove 15 hours straight back home so 30 hours of bus ride within three days. I had to do that was probably one of the craziest experiences I've had throughout the minor leagues. All for one game. 30 hours of bus ride for a nine-inning game. Jeez, should I imagine like the, the GM conversations like, yeah, it'll be easier just to finish the whole series. Yeah, like, uh-uh, man, you too have to suffer this bus ride. Yeah, <laughs> and they had the chance to win on their field. And there was, I don't even think there was any fans there. This is like pre-COVID. Like, this is, if there's yeah, ever be time to be like scrunched together as fans, this was it. Uh huh. Like, oh, that was the craziest experience, I think. Well, I mean, like, uh, I think I've heard like one time a rat in like a locker room or like a broken. Like, I imagine like visitor locker rooms in minor league baseball have to be the absolute worst. There's some bad ones, especially in the Pioneer League, like uh, Helena, Montana. This is one of the worst baseball facilities I've ever seen in my life. I can, couldn't believe that it. it was a professional baseball place. The hotel we stayed at was really nice there and, like, cool views, I guess. But that baseball, like, that field was god-awful. It was a tiny little square the shower was probably hadn't been cleaned in like seven years. No one even, that was the one time in my professional career where people didn't shower after the game at the field because it was that disgusting. I think I have one, one player tell me that the, uh, the visiting locker room had no stall doors. They had nothing there. It was the worst place I've ever seen. Uh. For, like if a normal person walked into that locker room or the visiting bathroom in the dugout, they would have been like, what the hell is going on here? This is, there's got to be, like, laws that they're breaking with these uh, facilities. This is funny how this podcast is going. It's like, I'll see your Batavia and raise you Helena. Mm-hmm. Hel- Helena is definitely the worst I've seen. By far. It's always fun when, like, they but do... But they're not, uh, they're not affiliated Yeah, that, that, that is probably why. But, like, every time yeah, a team a team leaves, there's, like, this, like, long story, like, oh, the history of baseball in this one town. 
never once mentioned yeah, maybe because the place was a dump yeah like sometimes you just either if the major league team wants to renovate it they can but if they're not going to do it and the town owner's not going to do it well it's time to go because yeah, like, it's yeah, bad. yeah, the major team was like, I don't want to spend this much money on, on three months. And the town's like, what, this fence ain't good enough for you? Yeah, it was it was tough there. I think uh, those are the 15-hour bus rides. I imagine, like, if you did actually stay up all, for the whole time and you actually had to talk to the guy next to you, I don't know how you go through that season and not become best friends with the guy. Well, usually you're sitting next to one of the guys that you're closest mm-hmm. with. Like, the person I would sit next to is Hunter Stovall, and I still, every spring training, we room together. Whenever we're playing on a team together, we room together. So, I mean, those bus rides. I think it goes that way with most guys. Yeah, 15 hour bus ride could also be considered the longest date ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that was a good, a good theme, especially considering where I am now. Uh, Albuquerque. I should tell you why I, my issue with Albuquerque before we wrap up. Um, there's a place called Capos there, Italian restaurant. If you go there, it kind of looks like the place that you would go to before you get whacked in a mob movie. And I asked for like the the simple baseline option, a good way to go test a good, uh, Italian restaurant. Just ask for like a margarita pizza. If they do that right, then the place is gonna be good overall. And so I asked for that, and the waitress like goes almost cross-eyed on me and is like, "I don't think we serve those." <laughs> a margarita pizza to the uninitiated is just a cheese pizza, but. With the cheese, the sauce, and the basil in the middle, it represents every color in the Italian flag. And at the time, the queen was named Margarita. So that's why they call it that. Yeah. They just put cheese pizza. 30 minutes later, uh-huh. I get the equivalent of a 7-Eleven che- uh, pizza. And I'm like, this place is the worst. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I go check that place out if I ever get to Albuquerque. And, uh... See if they know how to make a margarita pizza this time. I, I almost want to like write write the the check. I award you no tip, and may God have mercy on your soul. 